0: Hello and welcome to another episode of The Last Thing Podcast. I'm your co-host, Mr. Toffee, and joining me is...
1: Uh, just four-star General Shafiq uh, Spaceman, third class, I guess. I don't know what's going on.
0: <laughs> yeah, so as you can tell, um, Space Force. But first, let's go talk about like a bunch of views that just popped up, like gaming yes. stuff and so a bit of TV stuff. As right of there.
1: this recording today in pop culture, a lot of things have been happening and a lot of things have been happening on the streets in America, which has been affecting what's going on. Uh, so far, the biggest news when it comes to the video games, it's the delays, especially like for me, what I was really looking forward to was the, the PlayStation event, which has been postponed. Uh, there's the
0: no there's no date of the new postponing date for now, like they just said, oh, we, because of what's happening in America, we're going to postpone it. Another event was the Cyberpunk 2077 a reveal, which was supposed to be on the 11th of June, but it's been postponed to the 25th of June. As well as IGN's uh, Summer Games uh, Expo, which was supposed to be this Friday after the PlayStation Show, Mm. but it's been postponed to I believe the following Monday.
1: For you, what were you most looking forward to out of all these? Um,
0: I guess the same as you, the PlayStation Five, because I want to hear what kind of games are coming out. But again, it's very understandable considering that in this time, in these troubling times, especially, it's nice that you know we can just take a break from like have these things postponed. Because real life stuff kind of gets in the way of everything. Yes, <laughs> the real
1: life stuff gets in the way, sir. Okay, <laughs> that came out so bad. <laughs> okay, okay, but
0: in contrast <laughs> to those positive messages from the companies, um, I believe Quantic Dream, uh, the CEO Guillaume de Fondamir, he yeah. tweeted, yeah, he tweeted about all lives matter, but which was fine until that last sentence where he mentions about what did he say that's the whole point of Detroit become human the game that he that came out on the PS4 which he's promoting oh, on God. his tweets that recently came that uh, is coming out on the PC so yeah that's one way to botch your PR uh, goodwill message oh,
1: but he still didn't Thought Randy Pitchford Randy Pitchford had the most tone-deaf tweet of all time when he said if oh you wanna what did he kill... say he tweeted if you want to kill pig cops Duke Nukem Forever and he posted the Steam link oh my god it's okay. like the fuck is wrong with you bro
0: <laughs> yeah there's a time and place to say these things No, okay there was never a good time to say
1: these things to yeah. be honest I don't know I mean like for me there's a huge sentiment that I have a lot of people who are extremely tone deaf about the messaging they're, they're putting out there because it's like especially if you're not a person of colour or if you're not a minority and you're speaking on behalf of these people shut the fuck up <laughs> now's not the time for you to be heard okay other people's voices really need to be put in front right now I mean I don't know I'm on the fence about this because there's also that sense of like okay I do understand that a lot of these companies need to be respectful of the situation right now but also yep. at the same time it's like there. I don't know what is the correct thing to say especially in these, these troubling times Because it's like, there's no way that I can relate to the situation and to the circumstances that these people go through. But I also feel like, you know, like, whenever, like, a big corporate company was to come out and say, like, oh, we're in support of certain things, it's like,
0: yeah... You kind of have to second guess, especially uh, since... We know that these kind of uh, companies, at the end of the day, they kind of want you to be loyal to them in a sense because you want these people buying your products. That's some niggling thing at the back, you
1: know, hitting you. Call me a natural cynic, right? Because there's always a very... There's always this sense of disingenuousness when it's like, okay, you're saying this because you want to be topical or you want to still retain a certain amount of, I would say, audience... (laughs) <laughs> I think
0: Activision Blizzard's message is the one that causes the most um, question marks. I mean, their message is fine. It's the context behind what they've done in the past. it's, I mean, yeah, it's really hard Kong for us to listen to, to something. Happened, right? like,
1: yeah, you know, like when, when if, if Activision Blizzard is like, oh, we feel for the people who are going through these things and you're like, didn't you just do something to a, another guy who was protesting as well? Yeah, um, yeah. So like, okay, I don't so know. I mean
0: You gotta say these messages is fine, but Expect the backlash coming in, especially if you're a company that happened to have done these mistakes time and again for the
1: past five, ten years. I so know. it all comes biting back to you, La. I mean, it's also gonna be a sense of like you just can't win because it's like there's people like tweeting and posting on the, on Nintendo's Twitter saying like why haven't you made come up with a statement about going on? And like yeah. they're a Japanese company. <laughs> yeah, they make they're making. Games... They're not involved with politics. You you want the people of Mar who make games like Mario Kart to to go out of their way to say like oh we're in solidarity there's a time and place you know what I mean yeah. it's like and I don't know because I think maybe the double-edged sword here is like if if you're silent you're for, and if you're not silent you are like speaking on behalf so it's like yeah. it's gonna be a very interesting time because I'm paying attention to whatever's going on in the pop culture and the media right now and it's like yeah there's I would say this right it's like choose your words well okay mm. and the thing is right be sincere in what you want to do be upfront. I'm I'm like I'm the kind of guy who basically like if you want to help help don't tell people you're helping you know Yeah and not stay too
0: close I don't know when you see this protest i think like wait isn't there a pandemic happening I don't
1: know why these Yeah and then like guys you're, are doing this It's like a huge can of worms and then like and watching America eat itself and then like you know when you see like uh, and then the president's going to like activate the national guard or the military presence is like that whole martial law thing yeah like it's... Oh man and it's like for me, it's like, why would you wanna invoke martial law? You know, I mean, and then it's like, I mean, okay, then there's also the conspiracy theorists inside of me, like, oh, of course, because of this like the elections are coming, and he needs any reason whatsoever to, like, you know. But then again, you go up against Joe Biden, you don't need to do much to beat <laughs> Okay, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, not we're not Americans. We are here all the way in Asia, but we are paying we're paying attention.
0: Still touch, yeah, we're still in touch with whatever's going on, especially on Twitter, Facebook, and then, CNN, like, and so forth.
1: And I don't know, man, because it's like even even like, did you uh. <laughs> Joe Biden seems to be like, this is your best guy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's wow. like, do you have anyone else? Come on. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, but you know what? Uh, we really feel for those who are suffering and going through a bit of turmoil right now, okay? Especially to all of those uh, out there, who, you know, who are putting their lives on the line. Please stay safe, okay? Protect yourselves. Let's just end it right there, okay? Yeah, I, yeah. let's talk about something a little happier,
0: like, um, have you I'm seen the... I'm not happy. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen the Tenet trailer as of late, which came Dude, out a couple of weeks ago? I am so, or so looking ago.
1: forward to it, and I would say this The balls on Christopher Nolan, he still is going to release the movie as of the date that he proposed. It's going to be some somewhere set in July. And I'm like thinking, really? Maybe. is do Christopher Nolan's a big name. So. But I will say this right there are some cinemas, I mean, especially in the US. Okay, I'm not so sure about what the situation is in the UK, because uh, as of now, Tenet is set to release. Not worldwide. Because, like, okay, I've done the research. There's no release date set for here in Singapore. And, hey, yeah, good news. Uh, we've, we're ending the Circuit Breaker, kind of. We're entering our second phase of uh, allowing certain businesses to open. Not all essential. Not uh, only essential business and certain businesses. So, it's like, yeah, right here in Asia, we are also uh, moving forward to, you know, uh, returning to normalcy, so to speak. And I would love for a film to appear in the cinema. And it's like, if the cinemas reopen and the first thing you see is a Nolan film, yo, celebration, sir.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's a good thing happening, you know, like, just imagine. That that might get the most box offices if that's a successful plan, you know.
1: <laughs> yes, You won by default. <laughs> I mean, like, think about it this way, here. Right? It's like, what else could, like, what else is still in, in, in run? Huh? Like, you know, okay, what, like, the, the box office returns for, like, you know, July 10th and uh. uh Apparently, Trolls World Tour is still in theatres. <laughs> like, the cinemas didn't return the canisters yet. Still Don't playing. forget,
0: uh, Sonic the Hedgehog is, like, the number two film of <laughs> uh, the box office. Dude. Because there wasn't much else that opened after, yeah. like, March on. This is
1: gonna definitely affect the podcast, because it's like, when we do our uh, traditional middle-of-the-year best-of, when it comes to films, it's like, yeah, it's like Tenet, and whatever else came out <laughs> earlier this we year. We can probably
0: replace the last, like, the first... 20 minutes of cricket chirpings, I guess, in the recording.
1: And I was like, for once, it's like, I have no choice. I might have to put Bloodshot in my list because that's the only other thing that came out. <laughs> <sighs> well, okay, we can count Netflix films
0: anyway. So Wanna count Netflix
1: films? Okay, thank God for extraction. Okay. Yeah. Tenet, I don't know. Like... I have high hopes, but also at the same time, it's like, I don't know if I'm ready to return to the cinema. How about you, John? Do you, do you think it's safe? If? Are you going to mask up, get the hazmat suit out of the, the, the wardrobe?
0: I might have to because I saw pictures of the cinemas gathering all the mold and the chairs. <laughs> so I'm <laughs> like, yeah, probably not going to sit there for a very long, long
1: time. I,
0: I'll be like hey, I'll tell the usher I'm gonna stand if that's okay you know I'll stand way at the back it's better than getting mold on your clothes
1: okay. I, I know this is low-key like fucking uh, deviant shit right but what you need to do is rent yourself a wheelchair so you can sit in the handicapped spot so you know that seat oh, is clean. oh man <laughs> you just oh, wheel man. yourself in you know like they might even give you a discount on the ticket they oh, might man. even push you in <laughs> they might even bring oh, you a no, blanket kind of you sir but we'll see I mean I did mention earlier before, like the the curve is not necessarily flattening here in Singapore where I'm based, but I am very much uh, optimistic about uh, what's going on because we're starting to roll out uh, how you say these different phases, and like you know, if, there might be that, that glimmer of hope of normalcy down the line. And yes, if you know, if if the all clear is given just in time for Tenet to be out here in the cinemas. I'll be first in line, sir. It's been a while. You know me. I'm the movie buff on the show, and it's like I haven't seen a film this whole year. The last film I saw was fucking a film crazy. in the cinema. Yes, I think that's what you meant. The last film I saw in the cinema this year was like the, the, the like gentleman, and the Sonic the Hedgehog, and it's like <laughs> yes. all right. There's nothing else to do. <laughs> Thank God for video games, I
0: guess. Yeah, and Netflix too. Yeah. Okay. Which is what we're going to be talking about in the Netflix a of minutes, and Prime Video. <laughs> yeah, Amazon Prime and maybe Hulu.
1: A bit of Hulu here.
0: Hulu not there. available here yet, sir.
1: Uh, is it is it available uh, in Malaysia? No, but we have VPNs to sort that shit out, right? Shh. So. Man. Uh, man, we keep mentioning VPNs. I would love for a VPN sponsor right about now. I'm looking at yeah. you! Express, Nord, and Private Internet Access. Yeah, even You'll- Tunnel Bear. We'll take Tunnel Bear too. Tunnel Bear? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what
0: a cute little face, you know. So, speaking of. Uh, Netflix and show. <laughs> uh, I think okay, before we get to Space Force, we can probably list down the stuff we've been catching up before leading up to that. that. Like, maybe we give like about a five to ten minute spiel about particular shows that caught our eye.
1: Oh, I mean, you're, oh, you're going to do like, you know, what else? So what are you watching on Netflix segment? Sure. Uh, so what have you been watching, Mr. Thor? Uh,
0: I've been watching this anime series. Uh, it came out in 2008 called Code Geass. I Code Geass? I think might have heard of it. Yeah, Code uh, Gaius, yes. Yes, I saw it back when it came out in 2008. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I never had time to actually catch up with this series. And a lot of people have been making a lot of like comments like how good the first season is and how terrible the second season is. So, did, I mean, you've seen the show, right? I mean, all of it. So, what were your thoughts about it? Um,
1: I thought it was good. <laughs> I mean, I I mean not much to out. say about
0: the characters. Like, the hypocrisy of certain characters here and there. Nah,
1: I, I thought it was very... Uh, like back when it when it came out in two thousand eight, and then like as a mecha show, I don't know because I think back then I would compare everything to Evangelion or Gurun Lagaan Yeah, yeah. Oh, was... Gurun
0: Lagaan is still the shit, yo.
1: Anyway, uh, I don't know. On the anime front, what I've been catching up on Netflix is I finally saw uh, One Punch Man season two.
0: Oh yes. Uh, what do you think about that after what happened in season one? Like maybe just a bit of a recap of what happened.
1: Kinda disappointed. Like One Punch Man season one was basically the rise of uh Saitama and his how he was going up the ranks in the superhero league a send-up on superhero tropes mm-hmm. uh, like even like, this was a send-up on like western superhero stories with the avengers and most importantly it was a send-up on japanese uh, shonen shows fights end in one punch <laughs> we don't drag any fights on for any unnecessary like you know reasons and, and then you have say- all of these multiples
0: A-class heroes fighting in particular battles with aliens only to have the punchline being Saitama killing the big bad in he like He one two, shots like two everybody two shots. with a one yeah. punch.
1: And it's like, I, I would say like, what I enjoyed about the first One Punch Man season and the manga especially is basically, it was tongue firmly planted in cheek, making fun of all the tropes, but then doing something fresh and new. Now, The problem with Saitama and the problem with every overpowered superhero character which we all which everybody on the internet calls the Mary Sue Factor when you have a character that's way too powerful you kind of run out of things to do with him so, like, what happens in Season 2 is basically a lot of him just fudging around because they just save him for the one climatic battle at the end of the entire season and they refocus all their attention on this new antagonist, uh, which is the ex-disciple of uh, what, Grey Wolf? Uh, Garo, Garu, right? And they did have that very Yu Yu Hakusho-like tournament <laughs> episode which I kind of enjoyed. I guess it is the same problem I had with like Attack on Titan where it's like, he had such a good premise which lasted enough for a, a single season run didn't know it was going to be successful, so when they banked him in and they asked him, okay, uh, season two next year, and he's like, oh, uh, I don't know what to do with this now. We're going to have to expand certain characters' roles, per se, yeah. We're going to have to
0: put in a lot of filler and padding, you know, which is a problem. Until we can catch up, until the manga has already
1: reached its apex, you know, like its last. The first time, like, the why I sang praise for the first season of One Punch Man and the manga was because finally, we have the anti-Dragon Ball. One Punch Man feels to me like he is definitely running out of ideas so he is expanding the universe in a way to justify more episodes.
0: I believe the manga, they're now approached a bit with the monster society like suddenly coming in. So again, mm. I think this animation suffers like the second chapter or the second season is gonna be all this stretching out like Attack on Titan. Uh,
1: Attack on Titan was such a disappointment. Like season two felt like padding. Season three was a fucking waste of time. I did not enjoy it at all. Uh, but like One Punch Man, I still have hope for it because I think what the guy is doing is not he's not really padding. I mean like maybe that's not the right choice of words to use. I think maybe he's expanding the universe because like, also, like there are other characters that will be way more interesting that we don't focus on, like even Tatsumaki and her sister. Yes, yeah. Like, they don't sister. really have much of a presence even though they were established as the like you know these two badass superheroes who were legit in the first season. Uh, but then again, you know what? Uh, if you enjoy One Punch Man Season 1, uh, it's not as action-packed. I'll have to like reveal straight away. And if you're looking forward to those glorious One Punch Man Saitama one-shot moments, there are not as many... You know, there is a few, but I think what he was, what, what the artist and the writer is trying to do is like, he wants it to feel earned this time. He doesn't want it, he doesn't want it to be a joke anymore. And I don't know. And like, the one thing I don't want him to do in One Punch Man, I do not want them to explain his power. They, like, I still love the run, the, the joke they that basically... did, where he basically just trained so much, he just went bomb. No, that's that, it. That's, that, that's the, the only no, explanation. But, but that's the thing, is that doesn't explain his power. Because basically, when they asked him, like, how did you get so strong? 100 push-ups, 100 sit-ups, running 10 kilometers a day. And then, like, even the, like, his disciple was like, that's not even tough training. That's normal training.
0: Okay, if they break it down, yes, it'll be a terrible way to end yeah, the series. But know,
1: maybe, I hope they just uh, keep that. Yeah, A make mystery, that the yeah. reason. Make that the reason. Like, you now how is he so powerful? Is like, you know, what is human effort. <laughs> that's all you need. <laughs> basically the will, the will to destroy one punch. And I will say this right. It's like like what I always say on this the podcast is like, don't explain the force. It's magical. He's just yeah. like that. You know don't I mean? put better chlorines in the way, basically. Yeah, do not explain Saitamas. Like, that's what I'm really worried about in especially in season three, because it's like if he runs out of ideas or if he decides to expand things even more. It's like, we don't need to go in that direction. Maybe just throw more monsters. You know, do more monsters.
0: Make the monster Yeah, society yeah. they're, they're probably going to do the Monster Society arc.
1: So, definitely. Yeah. You know, or the worst thing they could do is the Doomsday thing where they have an equally strong, somebody who can also one- one-shot like Saitama and then you have that stupid like, uh, oh, uh, immovable object meets unstoppable force moment and it's like, yeah, okay, don't do that either oh man, that's gonna take some really glorious writing. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if the guy is up to it. <laughs> but I will say this also, right? It would also be perfectly in tune with the, the humor of the, the the like the manga and anime if it ends on a bad note too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I don't know, like I said, like the thing is this is the antithesis to a lot of manga, to a lot of anime because it basically takes all the tropes, throws it out the window. Like we don't have battles that last longer then, like, basically, you know, one it, within one episode, it's sorted out, which is why, like, you know, when I, I say I felt disappointed with a lot of the battles in season two was basically these drawn out battles with other characters with the
0: with the like the A tier or the S tier heroes. Yeah, you know we're I mean, really that strong. Yeah,
1: and <laughs> it, you think to yourself is like, isn't the joke is like these are the kind of things that we're making fun of, and then you're in, you're incorporating it into your second season, so it kind yeah. of feels like uh you're surrendering to the thing that you're making fun of. So, that, I mean, that's what but that's what my major disappointment with One Punch Man is. Because it's basically... Like, the, the premise of the first one was so good. And then the second one is like... Oh, so... You know what I mean? It, it kind of feels like... Oh, you're you're now embracing the thing that you were making fun of. Yeah, I don't know. But, like, okay, I'm very curious to see where they go with this. Yeah, uh, I kind
0: of want them to flip the script in Season 3 onwards. Just
1: go nuts, you know? I think that's yeah. the thing. Because, like, like, if you recall, like, One Punch Man, when it first came out, like, this was the most... Off the wall, hilarious shit, bad shit, insane. And the thing is, as anime fans, you you see what they're making fun of. You get the references. You get the jokes, especially when it comes to the character designs. The names, especially, is like okay, I know, I know exactly who you're making fun of right now. Uh, But uh, then again, I digress. Uh, One Punch Man, uh, finally available season two on Netflix. I know it's been it's been available like on Crunchyroll and other platforms. Like probably early, like lot. Early this year, late last year as well. So, like, but it was
0: out on Netflix a couple of weeks
1: ago. Yeah. Yeah. So unfortunately for us, you know, I mean, like you know, hey, what else am I gonna do in this COVID? Ah, huh? you want to get my anime, uh, my anime fix is now mostly Netflix because yeah. Crunchyroll is still not available to us again. Hey uh, VPN. VPN sponsors. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I don't know anything else on Netflix before we go up to our main segment here, sir.
0: Uh, should we bring up this uh, Crims Hemsworth uh, action? Uh, Hems- action film that came out a couple of weeks ago um, directed by one of the stuntmen behind quite a number of the Marvel films
1: under Joe under the Russo brothers mm. Extraction so yeah sure I mean I would say this about Extraction uh, Chris Hemsworth and the stunt coordinator decide to pull a John Wick they decide to go ahead and uh, hey we can do our own little uh, rough and tumble gritty little action movie with uh, you know really nice well choreographed fight scenes nice uh, wide camera angles you know no no quick cuts, no born identity shit, no shaky cam, and I felt like this was fine. It, felt, it and it's strange because this feels like, oh hey, why are they ripping off Indonesian cinema? <laughs> Did, didn't the Raid do this way better on the first try? You know what I mean? I and think they
0: I think it's like they're um, just taking influences here and there because they want to make the. Because this is all set in India, they kind of want to get that capture that grim, the grimness
1: of the, the slums and whatnot. Uh, I would say this, right. Uh, setting in India, interesting choice. Uh, the villains and the actors, you know, especially in the, the ethnic roles. The yeah, you know, so basically, uh, a very quick summary of the plot. Uh, Chris Hemsworth is a, a badass guy uh, sent to rescue a kid. Rescue right? a kid from and then protect him. Yeah. And then protect him as he goes to an extraction point where the kid will be helicoptered off to safety. But shit gets in the way. And I would say this uh, it's very loose on plot, uh, very loose on character development. It's all about the action, it's all about the direction, and it's all about the, the pacing. I would say this,
0: and to-, to showcase how good a stun, uh, a stunt director's uh, directorial debut can work out. And I gotta say it's pretty cool. I mean, I actually did enjoy. We discussed this a while ago about the one take that happened in the cars.
1: Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed it, but I mean, it's basically the same as like you know, nineteen seventeen. It's not, it's not truly a wonder, but I you can see the stitches, but yeah, yeah. At least I see the ambition, and I thoroughly applaud it. And I thought to myself, like, yep, that was the wonder To me, was definitely a highlight of the film, whereas the rest of the film felt like, mm, I don't know, uh, because the thing is, I'm not aware of the budget, and I'm not aware of exactly who it is that's going on behind the scenes. And I know they had enough movie to hire... What's that guy from Stranger Things, David Arbor, right? Uh,
0: David Harbour, yeah. yeah. Harbour,
1: Arbour, yeah. And the dude basically has his moment in the middle during the, the so-called the, the quiet section before we ramp it up with more action for the, the big bridge finale. Mm-hmm. And uh, in terms of... Uh, okay, let's like say we talk about The Warner. I thought, yeah, it was very well executed, uh, very well paced, put together, and the, the camera angles and choices were very nice the only thing I'm not a fan of is definitely I would say like he still kind of allows uh, a lot of the action to be behind bodies you know what I mean like a third person kind of view was it not necessarily a third person kind of view Um, like when you say okay again when I compare it to the raid when you see people throw punches everybody's facing each other like Street Fighter where it's left uh, like left and right composition whereas something like this is like a lot of the punches happen towards camera so you don't have to see like you know, like basically what we call the ho- the Hollywood hit, where you right, you, right. you just swing your arm across the chin and you don't make contact, but you just sell the shots, right? So it's like to me, it's like I see those, and I, 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 again, I, maybe for the untrained eye, they may not notice it as much as I did. But when you watch it the second time, or at least when you spot yeah, it, you, yeah, you you kind of see like you know, it's like it's basically. Very well choreographed stunt work. It kinda lacks the kind of brutality like something that something the raid does because you you see those guys actually smash into each other. Or even you know those I mean? Thailand films, uh like the Ong Protector Bac, and Omback. Yeah. yeah, you know, when you see stuff like that like Tom Yam Gung and it's like, Yep, that's actual elbows against four heads right there. So like seeing something yeah. kind of like the Protector is like, uh I don't I'm not saying that Chris Hemsworth isn't a good action star. I think I think he. This, I mean, even though there's not much character development, you kind of want think, to
0: follow through what his his plight was because he lost his kid in the in the story and everything. So that's yeah, why I mean, he has an obligation. And plus, the way he nods, moves, pull off the badass moves, and you know, nodding to the kid, I mean, everything. I again, again, it's all this, charisma and looks, you know, and how charisma. he acts, not without how he acts without words. I mean, how he has the facial stuff going on,
1: you know. I mean, I kind of agree with you. He does the charisma. Have, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't even say charisma, but he does have the presence. He does have the Thank you, the presence. That's a better word. Like, he looks like a kind of guy who could be a decent action star, you know? And then shout-outs to his brother Liam for trying really hard. What does he do? Independence Day Part what (laughs) 2? Sorry, Liam. (laughs) No, but I think we'll say this, right? I think Chris Hemsworth, his biggest misstep in his career was trying to go the comedic route was basically when he did Ghostbusters and he tried to do... He tried to be like the, the big, goofy, f- funny guy. I blame the writing for that. Not so much him. No, no, no He was I'd, fine. Uh, yeah. Uh, he wasn't fine. He was terrible because he ad-libbed all those jokes. He didn't write those jokes. Mm. Okay, so that's, uh, that's all on him. Chris Hemsworth, you are charming, but you're not funny. I don't think you can... You don't have the kind of comedic chops that's definitely gonna make you into the... Something like The Rock. The Rock definitely has comedic timing, definitely has delivery. He definitely knows... How to phrase things, you know. Whereas like Chris Hemsworth to me feels like if I were to compare to like the 80s guys, so definitely the rock is Arnold Schwarzenegger. He- he's the biggest action star right now. Okay? Mm-hmm. Vin Diesel is probably like Sylvester Stallone. Like okay, like you know, he's he's a bit in- unintelligible, you're not so sure what he's saying sometimes because he mumble course his way through a lot of his films. Chris Hemsworth to me can be our generation's Jean-Claude Van Damme stealing the throne from Jason Statham. Like, mm, he's okay. the most vanilla guy, but he is definitely the guy you could put in super generic action movies, and he still works. So, like, when you mentioned earlier, when he did the whole, uh, like, the, the whole dramatic impulse is basically him, like, you know, uh, based on the death of his child and how he uses that as fuel to protect another person's child, right? Yeah. I didn't quite buy that. But when you said that, the first thing that came to my mind, I thought to myself, is like, I would love to see Chris Hemsworth in a commando reboot.
0: <laughs> oh yes,
1: yes you know what yes, I mean yes. I don't need you to be serious I want you to be goofy I want you to 80s be 80s goofy is it like totally unbelievable fucking suspend disbelief it's just basically here's the premise your kid's in danger what you gonna do well, I'm Chris Hemsworth I'm gonna fucking kick out okay I don't know which accent he's gonna choose I mean he does a good American it'll be funny if he did the Australian I accent I want to do the an Australian through. accent sir. I want to see him blow people away and throw Australian one-liners that's not a knife this <laughs> is a knife <laughs> I don't know, but like, but you get what I mean. Like, he can yeah, yeah. definitely be. I don't know, like, like if imagine if somebody with the aesthetics of say like those classic canon films, like a Chuck Norris, or like a like a fucking, um, you know, like like a Delta Force. Like, yeah. if we were to reboot Delta Force, I would want Chris Hemsworth to be the guy in on on the box art. You know <laughs> okay, what I mean? okay. Like he's the guy, you know? Like, yo. I can even see Chris Hemsworth, maybe, if he does put in the effort and learn some martial arts. Like, he did kind of pull off some one-to-one combat in uh, extraction, okay? I wouldn't say thoroughly uh, impressive, but I would say believable. But, if he was to do some proper training and do some decent martial arts, yo, I'm going to pitch it right now, last K podcast, pay pay like trademark right now, right? I want him for my American Ninja reboot. Oh my god American Ninja I want an Australian asshole To fake an American accent Doing a Japanese Ninja movie It's like That would be the bomb Dude If Michael Dudikoff Can be an American Ninja <laughs> Chris Hemsworth Yo Call me I got a script ready I got a treatment Right now Okay can okay, even make it Australian Ninja Fuck it uh. <laughs> But yeah I mean In terms of action Extraction A lot of fun I would say, in terms of uh, where does it stack, not that high. I wouldn't it's, say. It, I mean, you you could do
0: worse than watch this. Basically, I mean, it is still entertaining. It is so fun yeah. to watch, but you're not here for the plot. You're just here to see stuff blow up and and you know see some nice action scenes shot pretty well. And it kind of delivered that at least for shows that come out this year.
1: I guess I mean like yeah, I would definitely recommend Extraction because I think in terms of uh, say like film school say like you need to learn action cinema like I I would see this as like here, okay, here's a good case study on how to set up shots and how to set up a certain I would say like uh, for me I especially love the entire fight up the, the apartment bo- blocks where it's like oh know, the one yeah, leading
0: up to the with the kid with the gun as yeah, well when right? he was
1: protecting yeah. the kid and then basically yeah. you had like danger lurking at every corner and how they use the verticality of the uh, like the building you know like where you see danger like we get shot at from the ground level up to the top level, and then how they use every door and every corner is dangerous. Like, okay, I thought that was done very well. Yeah. The actual wonder, like, the, the car chase scene, to me, like, car chase scenes seldom impress me, but I was pretty much kind of impressed with Extraction's uh, car chase scene. Though, it's, like, it does get away with a lot of, like, I won't I wouldn't say it's over-cranked, but there's a lot of moments where basically, like, and here's where they crash, and here's where the other guy falls. It's like, not, I wouldn't say pain by numbers, I would say more like, yeah, it's uh, traditionally done. You know, like, okay, mm. this feels... Like, I, I This feels up to par. Yeah. You know, you know and like, adding the whole one-take uh, element on top, right, it's like, okay, this is earned. And then, like, I don't know, then it had that really kind of muddy middle bit where we had to establish character dynamics and stuff.
0: Which is part impossible because you kind of need to take a break from all the cool action that comes after, especially the
1: bridge scene. Yeah, yeah I know that. I mean like but the thing is I don't really buy the relationship between Chris Hemsworth and the kid because it's like basically like if you had to compare it to like maybe something like Aliens where fucking Newt and Ripley you buy that Ripley's oh, gonna god, protect oh god yeah to that's, that's, basically that's, approach... your apex right there like or... Ripley's gonna protect her with her life you know and then like, when you see Chris Hemsworth it's like it still feels like especially when they throw in the, the, the David Arbour character where basically like Okay, like, hey, come on, like, you know, why don't we just get away from all, all of this? Let, let's, let's just sell out this kid, and then, like, basically, we'll be living fine. And then, like, that moment, which is basically the emotional impulse, where it's basically, no, 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 I'm a good person, I'm going to protect this kid, that was what I came here to do. I, say, I wouldn't say I didn't buy it, but I would say, like, yeah, you had to place that there, because if we didn't have that scene, the ending's payoff wouldn't make as much sense. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, but, like, Extraction... Hell of fun. I enjoyed it. Still fun. Still fun to watch. Still fun. Yeah. It's, a, it's a fun watch. It's like, like I said, it's like, it, it was bordering on serious, but if they made a goofy action like an 80s action movie, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Imagine one-liners. Imagine, like... Dude, I'm thinking this, right? If Michael Bay is up to it, Michael Bay plus Chris Hemsworth in a fucking, like, Six Underground style action romp where it's just baseless and over-the-top fun...
0: That's also another show I kind of need to watch um, after my anime stuff like uh, Six Underground. How was that anyway? Did you guys see that? Dude, it's
1: Michael Bay at his okay. best. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> totally soulless, totally... Uh, there's a lot of moments that feel very... you know, like It, it doesn't have the kind of... If you're looking for... <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, if you're looking for a serious... Uh, Pieces of cinema which questions, you know, life and art. And- no, you're not gonna <laughs> find it in a Michael <laughs> Bay film. It's a Michael uh, Bay film. It's Michael Bay, I think this is him at his most chaotic running yeah. wild basically from, the oh, yeah. from bad boys to and uh, yeah, I would say not pain like, even this. Distra- this is yeah. like imagine, like if, if Michael Bay, everything he's done was him running at maybe nine or ten. So, this is what Michael Bay looks like at a 12. <laughs> Jesus It Christ. is really pushing the limits of what we can visually witness or what we can visually, I would say, it, it feels to me like it's the same kind of uh, over the topness as something like, what was that first person movie? Hardcore Henry? Uh,
0: Hardcore Henry, yeah, yeah.
1: Where it's like it hits you so hard and it comes to, to a point where you get numb to it. But then somehow, like the thing is, they build it up in such a way that when you're numb to it, they still manage to escalate it again for one final big push. So it's like, all right, yeah, that was worth it. I'll I did it once, and I don't ever need to do it again. Oh. So I would say this is like uh, six underground, especially like if you want Michael B at his bayest. It's like, yep, yeah. he still got it. Do you want it? I don't know. <laughs> There's a market for it. For There's sure, a very specific mean. fan, you know, like for, for, like for guys like me, like to me, I, I see him as like a descendant of like something like a Tony Scott. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, if you want like, he's got a very specific a- aesthetic, which is why I would always like cite him as like a true author, like only he does him and he does him well. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, if you want to judge it as a like a film film, like don't waste your time. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It would be but I would say this right. Like that would be an interesting double bill for you to watch like Extraction and Six Underground back to back and like Yeah, that's that that was that that was fine. <laughs> <laughs> like a know.
0: nice contrast even though it's like the same genre, like you gotta see something with a soul or uh, uh, something It's a totally it different genre. Just,
1: Michael Bay yeah. has a, his own genre of action. It's hard Michael to Bay,
0: yes. You got action films, you got thrillers and then you got the Michael Bays.
1: Yeah, you got, you got action, you got your action action and then you got Michael Bay is like his own thing now. And I, like, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate him because he is definitely the contrast to every other action film out there right now. That, true. That true. That yeah. I don't know, but I will say this right. Uh, knowing your tastes, you'll enjoy it. You'll enjoy it
0: because it's big dumb fun. I am just I'm just fine with him having a second home on Netflix after
1: the stuff he's done for Transformers. Everybody's got a second home on Netflix. Fucking Martin's Scorsese can't make a fool of the, oh, yeah, the studio system ben. anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like all right, you know, like go to Netflix. Netflix will pay you money to make whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. And I love that about Netflix. So. With that as a segue. So what happens when I don't know uh, somebody with a very uh, a profound career on television,
0: <laughs> uh, like a guy like named Greg and Owen Daniels?
1: Yeah, you know, and then like you know taking a hit show from England and like you know transposing it for the American audience and getting a a post uh, Daily Show Steve Carell. This is before Steve Carell. Steve Carell, it was like Steve Carell on the come up. When he and Stephen Colbert were actually kind of level. Yep, yep. Remember, remember the two Stevens from The Daily Show? It's like, this is before Steve Carell became a movie star. This is when Steve Curl was became a TV star. Mm-hmm. And uh, he went and uh, abandoned his TV rules and decided to try and win a few Oscars. You know, did very and well. And do
0: serious roles like Foxcatcher. Uh, the and... Big Short, you know. Yeah, Big Short, thank you. And yeah. every once in a
1: while he'll shit out an,
0: El- an Evan Almighty
1: because why not, you know. Like, well, there, I mean, then, he's got to go back to his funny side, so. Yeah, no, sure. he hasn't in a while, if you think about it, right? I mean, like, the last funny movie he did was what? I can't really can't think of it. Yeah, I mean, because the last
0: movie he was in was the one about him dealing with PS, uh, post PTSD, when it has to do with the dolls, you know what I mean? War or something. Yeah. And, like,
1: the thing is, I mentioned that, like, you know, like, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, Chris Hemsworth could be the Jean Claude Van Damme of our generation. I think Steve Carell is the Robin Williams of this generation. Like, he is a funny guy, but he is so desperate to be taken seriously. But every once in a while, he has to pay his and dues. The fact is, he does succeed. I mean, even Robin Williams, what was
0: his last serious film? Like, One Hour Photo was kind of scary. I remember that I, one.
1: I enjoyed Man of the Year. Okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah like, Man of the Year. Yeah. Like, the mo- his, his most famous role is definitely as the teacher in Deadpool Society. Mm-hmm. And then, like, also, like, you know, in Awakenings, where he was opposite Robert De Niro, where he yeah, played the doctor. Yeah. And then it's like, I mean like okay and like for me my favourite it wasn't even a serious role but definitely the one that bridged serious and comedy for Robin Williams was Good Morning Vietnam yeah it's still it's, one they, of the finest shows yeah and there. then you got the really sh- like schmaltzy boring shit like you know uh, what dreams may come man. or bicentennial <laughs> man is like <laughs> fucking yeah, Patch Adams fucking dude that. calm down <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what I mean I mean like Robin Williams was definitely chasing a certain dream, and I was yeah. saying this. And I
0: believe Steve Carell is doing the same thing too. Although he has found success, um, at least Foxcatcher, and I guess in a way, the morning show, he was actually playing a uh, not not a kind of dramatic role, but also kind of funny because of his outbursts. I was so kind of half half, yeah.
1: But that, that's the thing; he is aware of his wheelhouse, and I and that's on full display in the show that we're gonna be reviewing right now, which is Space Force. And I will say this, uh, Space Force, from the guys who gave you The Office, and that was the premise. Yeah. And basically, uh, for all of you who don't know, uh, Space Force is a show that has been recently released on Netflix. As of this recording, it's been a couple of days out, or maybe... A couple of days out, yes. It's been a couple of days out. We managed to sit through all 10 episodes, each one clocking in about half an hour, so that's five hours of your life. And I will say this about Space Force. Uh, If you're a fan of The Office, uh, you might be disappointed. And if you're expecting something that would be akin to maybe a piss take on, you know, the current situation, the current U.S. president's plans on creating a second military unit called Space Force, it doesn't deliver on that at all. But like, okay, I don't want to spoil things, but also at the same time, I need to establish a few contexts, a few premises. I would say this uh, for 10 episodes for a show that is basically hyping us up to think that this is the second coming of the guys from The Office, I was thoroughly disappointed that way. Now, uh, for you, John, like what yeah. was your first impression or like well, maybe what's your overall impression before we go into the deep? I life?
0: had no expectations for this show, which is why I'm like, when I saw the writer's credit and everything, I was like, wait, this, is this guy did The American Office? And then after watching all 10 episodes, I did struggle and think like which parts actually got a laugh out of me, which was not that many after watching all 10 episodes. I mean, there are some episodes that kind of hit home, especially when it's dealing with like isolation, especially when you're someone in the military or like dealing with startup people. But again, this is like very few and far between episodes and that's not so much more comedy. It's more so much like, oh, we're just going to be topical in this sense, but that's about it. In terms of character building i can see these actors doing their best i mean i can see some of the actors i don't know if they're even doing their best to be honest because you've seen steve carell in better films and tv shows you've seen uh the scientist john malkovich doing other better tv shows and films and i feel that yeah they're just there for a paycheck but not really completely phoning it in because there are still some bits where like okay you're doing this out of the sake of comedy. I feel that, again, the side characters are the ones that kind of got the, made me care a bit more about the film. I think which they need is, to work um, harder because of, like, definitely the, the, the
1: higher tier actors and talent they have around them.
0: Yeah, especially, uh, the, the Chinese, uh, star uh, Jimmy O. Yang and the other woman, um, who plays Ali, uh, Miss Ali I believe Captain Ali yeah. Captain Ali uh, Captain Ali. Angela <laughs> Ali Tony Newsom. yes I actually did like those characters because of the way they're portrayed like one's kind of like a general I mean kind of like a sergeant-ish like a commander role but kind of needs to be taken seriously and then Jin Yang I, I, I cannot stop calling him that because of Silicon Valley that character Jimmy O. Yang he plays a scientist who's it's trying Chan. to you know I think his name
1: is Chan right
0: Yeah, Chan, Chan. He's just trying to get by, you know, being the second in command underneath uh, what's that John Malkovich's character, um, Adrian Mallory. Yeah,
1: I mean, which is also, I would say, like, you know, I mean, like, if even you can only highlight the secondary characters over the, the premier characters, it kind of proves that, yeah, maybe Steve Carell is not really carrying the show as much as he should, even though he is... Uh, credited as co-creator and also he wrote some of the episodes, right? No, no, it's he more did. like he's just checking. He the, it te-
0: he's checking the boxes basically to for a typical uh seasonal TV show, yeah, which I, I believe mean, Netflix is home for, la, You know, kind of think of it.
1: I mean, like when you brought up the fact that, like, when you say, uh, like Steve Carell is basically the Yelly guy, yeah, he does that. He does that in the show, and I will say this: like, this is Steve Carell. Like again, I don't quite agree with you that he's not folding in it it does feel like he is folding it in but he's just folding in a good performance yeah I mean I'm not do... saying
0: completely but still is you know like that half-half thing yeah, because like, which is you why gotta I... remember there's still other seasons for this show if it gets picked up so
1: I don't know about that but I mean I, I mean, it definitely will get picked up because I think this show is going to be successful based on the, the brands and the star names and the star attached. power
0: definitely yeah
1: you know what I mean you got like a Lisa Kudrow in there you even got like you know like Dedrick Bader Mandy Potemkin uh, that creepy lady from glee whose name i can't remember oh yeah jane now. lynch jane lynch jane lynch there you go like uh, i love me some jane lynch jane lynch seems super underutilized in the show as well as dj bader and Mandy begambian i do uh, suspect
0: they're going to have a bigger role in the second season but again guess, uh, prediction but i will
1: say this right like even the like the the fact that lisa kudrow is barely in it as well it kind of feels to me like okay maybe it's scheduling problems maybe it, it feels like there is a bit of a rush job vibe going on with this because like, the premise of Space Force is basically... like The whole thing is centered around... Okay, like, for those of you who may not be aware... like Donald Trump mentioned that he wanted to create a second military called Space Force. And I would think that maybe uh, the creators of the show looked at it and thought... like Okay, if you really went ahead with this, how can we make it into a comedy? And they decided to go and set up an entire sic- sitcom based around the fact that... In this universe... Okay, because they don't outright say that the president is Trump they keep referring to him as POTUS but then he's the POTUS who tweets so uh, yeah it's, it's a reference or you know, it's not a direct you know uh, implication that that is the, the, is not set in our reality maybe in its own reality so let's get that out of the way uh, so when you have a joke about a president who wants to create a space force and like it's basically having all these farcical kind of like you know lunatics running the asylum vibes where basically is like every character to me feels very one note, very tropish because you got fuck Tony, who's basically the you're overtly, very loud social media PR guy, the overtly millennial guy who speaks in memes. Okay, yeah. then you have you know uh, the other general, which is uh, what Brad, right? Which is his receptionist come.
0: Uh, Brad G- Gregory, yeah, he yeah, is. Yeah. he's yeah.
1: also he's also a general, but he's kind of like uh, you know uh, yeah pretty passive. Uh, yeah, you know, and then you have uh basically Steve Carroll's character Nerd, right okay so he's yeah yeah he's, Mark Nerd yeah that's Steve so he's Carole. like this super militant guy but he's got a little bit of compassion he's got a bit of sentimentality versus his uh, less aggressive but more passive uh, friend slash colleague slash second in the command because basically you know uh, you need the two guys to kind of work off each other which is uh, John Malkovich's character okay the Mallory you know so it's like okay and then like for me when you have all these characters put in place then you have a strange daughter who is fish out of water trying to reestablish her life and then you have okay you know Asian guy black girl there you go we got all the we got all the the characters in place yeah, right? and a couple of Indians too yeah and it's a like couple of Drew Indians mentioned. too because like we can't be too diverse <laughs> we can't pay attention <laughs> Yeah I mean, for me, like out of all the, 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 the diversity hires, I like Belgian guy the best. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> random Belgian guy was interesting. But yeah. he only had one scene in one, sh- one episode. Anyway, so what I'm saying is this is like all these characters feel very flat, feel very one note because they all are designed to uh, fill out certain archetypes, certain you know, stereotypes. Okay, fine, I get it. None of them really go through the kind of character growth or character development that is expected of them is why like they basically have the same premise and the same joke as the, the show goes on especially characters like fuck Tony and especially the two main leads
0: mm-hmm.
1: the only one who actually goes through some any real growth is Asian guy with uh, black uh, uh, Angela, I don't want to say Angela Ali. Yeah. yeah I don't want to say driver because she also flies the helicopter sometimes yeah, yeah. you know but Captain Ali yeah you know having the relationship with uh, Asian guy and an the Asian guy who introduced the term uh, BWAM. Yes. for <laughs> Yes. Uh, uh, I'm a fan of that. Uh, get that category <laughs> on porn yep, up myself. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Let me some brown sugar, ladies. Holla. So, uh, in 10 episodes, nothing left an impact on me. And I will say this. It does feel very pained by numbers. It feels very formulaic. And it feels like these are the kind of tropish uh, sitcom situations. Of course, yeah. That... And, and the thing is the gimmick is it's set around the establishment of a space force
0: yeah like which... uh, the concept of building up a force for space as the title implies uh, with your last few episodes you know focus on the said topic as well leading yeah. up to that
1: and I will say this right that the problem with space force is that you don't see much of space you just basically see Steve Carell arguing with his contemporaries and officers or, uh, or pushing some
0: bills in the state congress hearing for I mean, that or, or was one budget episode. budget hearing. Sorry, budget hearing. The yeah. Budget
1: hearing was one episode. Like most of the time, yeah. it's either in the launch room, it's or it's either in the meeting room, or it's either in his office where he's like basically like you know like chastising like Fuck Tony or Brad right for not letting people in. And I will say this right: the jokes are one note, and the jokes are repeated, which is main on the main problems because it's like okay, there's the running joke that. Uh, General Brad which is a receptionist lets people in mm-hmm. up to the point where he needs to hire a guy to actually prevent people from coming in and he becomes a one note joke because basically his whole point is like he's not going to let you in without ID yeah yeah. And they then, repeat like,
0: those uh, bits like twice and then they develop character for him when it comes with mm-hmm. uh, Steve uh, what's that Erin Erin there yeah the daughter
1: yeah I mean like for me, definitely, when it comes to the character development and when it comes to the the jokes and basically the situations that will derive humor from, uh, these characters are not really put in any true uh, situations where basically we can see them. I don't know how to explain this even better, but... like when you have say like a Jerry Seinfeld, when you have say maybe a George Costanza, like there's certain artists they fulfill certain archetypes, then you have a Kramer. And the thing is, you need to escalate the situation to the point where you see how these characters react and how they derive laughs and comedy from it. Whereas it feels like, for me, Space Force happens in such short episodes where things get wrapped up, they don't really feel like they go to comedic end. You know what I mean? Because it's basically here's a few laughs, here's a few chuckles along the way. And I would say that I never laughed out loud at all, except for maybe two moments in this entire show. Mm hmm. And then basically how it ends is basically it's like an 80s sitcom where here's the moral of the story where we have a sentimental moment, and that's every which episode. you can
0: actually see coming a mile away anyway because which that's you, how it's say. set up. I mean, yeah, especially yeah.
1: when you mentioned the, the the congressional hearing episode where basically he does this whole uh, beautiful the pencil tapping thing and then
0: the speech comes in, which you know it's yeah, you know, coming. Like,
1: yeah, yeah, not so that that joke was like set up and the thing is right, you're just waiting for it to happen. It doesn't seem to happen spontaneously because the thing is they mark the beats so. I would say, way too obvious, basically. Yeah, it's way too obvious, and it's like, yeah, it's basically this, right? Each episode can be broken down to here's a premise, here's the chaos, how they resolve, and then basically sentimental moment at the end. And you see them repeat this for every single episode, except for the last episode. Yeah, yeah. But basically, somebody learns a lesson or somebody discovers something about something, and it's like, okay, fine. But I think maybe for me the major problem with Space Force is it's not that funny. As a comedy, it's again, it elicits a few it's, laughs.
0: I mean, over something that's flat. supposed to be satirical,
1: yeah. And, and I think it's, I only laugh when it's the obvious joke. Yeah. You no, know, basically, like, you know, like the, the whole thing with uh, maybe like the, the Skinny Fuel episode, you know? Or when you see basically uh, how they react to when Floaters decides to change up the uniforms and, like, mm. you know, what, what's the joke at the end? It's like basically they're trying to like push Steve Carell to the office and make him not realize that okay everybody's uniforms are different. And yeah, or even like,
0: those, uh, or even those like not astronauts asking the question, all the expected stupid questions, you know, before they get flown off to space and then panicking yeah. when they're in the ship, you know. And
1: I will say this right. I think maybe the problem with Space Force, is like why the comedy doesn't hit for me, is because you don't establish enough of a reality for me to see, uh, the juxtaposition or to see the farcety or to see the like. Like basically the premise is like this right? i would compare it maybe to something like police academy like when police academy is similar where it's basically a farcical uniform comedy where it's basically we take what we understand about uniform groups where we think about uh, military rank hierarchy and stuff like that and turn it on its head where it's basically lunatics have taken over the asylum it's all about you know the straight cut straight and narrow everybody goes by the book but then things go crazy when the crazy people come in.
0: And you expect the crazy to come in, and that's what makes yeah. these films really good. Yeah, and <laughs> really like, funny. when you
1: see something like Space Force, everybody is incompetent at their job. Everybody is wrong or not fit to play the part. And nobody seems to be able to uh, agree on what is good for anything. And the thing is, like when you have a show called Space Force, and you're basically concentrating on just the same eight people over and over again, you know what I mean? And the thing is, like, okay, if you're building an entire military unit called Space Force, and it's like, all right, so where are the soldiers? So where's all the, where's all the other parts of the machinery that we need to actually create a Space Force? They don't do that at all. They just focus on basically uh, uh, Steve Carell's character and John Malkovich character like bickering over like the the moral. Uh, let's say you know the more military brute force versus science basically and and the bureaucracy and stuff like that and and the thing is we've seen those situations several times especially on shows like The Office where basically you know a general manager goes head to head with CEO and everybody's arguing you know like okay fine so like okay we see conflict of power there then when we go to like say the second tier characters which is basically like Fuck Tony, Brad they have their one-off little misguided misadventures that really don't lead to anything super inconsequential like say for example uh, again like you know when floaters decides like hey let's change the uniforms and make things more pizzazzy and yeah. basically we're trying to create this dynamic between Brett and fuck Tony and the thing is like, I don't really feel this is necessary to move this the this is like along. filler
0: per se this yeah. is like oh just put added for the sake of editing. and even the
1: romance between like uh, Ali and like Chan is like okay we, we just needed to have this romance angle why because we don't have any jokes for this segment yeah you know what I mean? Like basically, she decides that she wants to be an astronaut. She seeks him for help to learn. I don't know what was it again. Uh, botany, bot- learning about
0: botany, basically. Yeah.
1: Botany, and then the thing is, they're slowly developing feelings for each other because they decide to bond over, uh, like, K-pop and anime on the car ride right home from her lazy. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean and the thing is like, okay, I see how it fits into the narrative where basically I just hope
0: sh- it pays off in the second season or third season or yeah, whatever. yeah But it should you know? actually
1: pay off in the first season, don't you feel? Because then it's like if like if you side like...
0: characters, uh, it really depends. But in this instance, again, not really the best comedy, definitely, but yeah. I kinda am holding out hope that at least it improves like in couple of seasons because I know some shows where they actually have quite lackluster first seasons, but then they get much, much better and more outlandish in the second, third or even the fourth season. But like I mean, uh, I would... Parks Box and Recreation, I don't I didn't really care much the first season, but my friends have told me that oh my god, it starts picking up after the second, third, and fourth. Yeah, I onwards. mean I
1: also agree with shows like Community where it's like second season onwards when it finally finds its wheels. So I remember the good. second season more than the first season, come to think of it. I agree with third. you too. But I would say this, right, when it comes to a show like Space Force, when it comes to the pedigree though? Yeah, the thing is, definitely. Like, when you, like when you say community, when you say Parks and Rec, right, you can only think of what the what the other the actors did before that, and use that as a, like a, a frame of reference. But then, like for a lot of these shows, like like when you say when you say something like a community or a Parks and Rec, right, like those are their star-making shows. Yeah. So, like, say for example, if maybe uh like you no know, Chris Pratt, Aziz Ansari would come back together, along with uh, what's that lady's name again? Uh, uh oh um. She was in... Tina
0: Frey's friend. Amy Poehler. Amy Poehler, yeah. I was gonna say Leslie.
1: Like, wait, that's a character. Whoops. <laughs> I mean like uh, okay. But like when they do another show that is not Parks and Rec after that, then you have high expectations for that. Yeah, because so, those are stars
0: made, not star-making yeah. shows. And then yeah. like, the
1: thing is that like, you have a Steve Carell, you know, a star. You have Lisa Kudrow, a star. Okay? And then you also have like, you know, John Malkovich, you know, bona fight star as well. And it's like they come in here and they're, like they're just doing basically straight up uh, situation comedy like it's, it's, it's the same shtick it's just that the setting is different you know what I mean and they don't have and enough... the tropes
0: are reused too as you said
1: so. like for me the most standout episode was definitely the monkey episode oh yes yes because that's that the only time they make fun of like you know the how ludicrous like space travel and like the experimentations of space and the history of space travel is because it's basically we, we have a chimp Astronaut and a dog astronaut. I don't know. I
0: think. I think. Yeah, that's the problem with Space Force. It needs more episodes like that. That maybe it's... even the startup episode, but maybe push further, and even the last two episodes. And the, the remaining episodes of it was like middling to forgettable in a sense. So second yes. season, third season needs more of the like if they get when they get a, when they get their money back, they need to have something more outlandish.
1: But this is Netflix money, sir. Like, I know, I know. But from? then
0: when you compare this, especially to a show like Avenue Five, which Good. takes place in space the first time, mm-hmm. you that went out there, definitely, especially like from beginning to end. That was something was... you remember.
1: Yeah, I think that's also one of the reasons why I'm very hard on Space Force is because Avenue 5 also came out this year and we want to say a comedy of errors where, you know, basically, uh, who let these idi- who led these idiots in charge and it's in- set in space? And still it's like, situational per se, yeah, because it's in that and one there's ship. there's a direct comparison that we cannot ignore because it's like, okay, a superior show came out early this year, so All I is a new Space Force and I say, it's not it's not unfair for us to judge you based on that criteria because it's like, Okay, you're going to do, like, a comedy, you know, like, you know, basically a farcical comedy set around uniforms. Then you're going to go up against M.A.S.H. You're going to go up against Blackadder. You're going to go up against all these classic shows that did it well. Even Hogan's Heroes, even Gomer Pile, mm, you know? Gomer Pyle. <laughs> so, it's, like, basically, like, okay, you know, we have an idiot in uniform. So, like, h- how do we milk this or how do we make this work? Yeah. So, I get, like, like, maybe... The ambition was probably sincere. They were trying very hard to like let's make a funny uniform comedy based on this, like this. this based on the that,
0: military, the space, uh, space programs. Based and shit.
1: on this thing that Donald Trump asked, like we're gonna make a space force. It's like okay, like that. The, okay, that that's the thing. It's like okay, the joke was not derived from, uh, like a like a true point of inspiration. It was basically here's something funny that happened in the news. Let's make let's rotate the whole show around that, and let's have a turnaround time so quick. That by the time it comes out, we have 10 episodes. We can barely schedule our actors to appear in it, which is why, like, you know, a lot of the top tier comedians, especially when it comes to Jane Lynch, uh, like DJ Bader, and even Mandy (laughs) Petankin, they appear in, like, one scene per episode where they're all based in that, like, office. And I can, and it's obvious to me, like, okay, that was all shot on one day. They basically just cut, do cutaways. Yep, yep. Just, they, they yes. just scheduled the script. Like you're gonna read these lines and they're all gonna be, And the thing is they give the same stoic like kind of like uh, the same delivery. So it, it kind of feels like it's in character, but it also feels to me like hey, that's how you save money by getting all those people in on one day, put them in the put them in the costumes. Do all, do all the all takes these, for the different episodes. Do all yeah. the lines, all the different takes, and then we 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 edit it later. And mm-hmm. like eh. Uh, I mean Like I said Like when When you say it's Netflix money And I look at this It's like I don't know where the budget goes Because I can see Definitely to the
0: actors As you discussed Probably definitely (laughs) Definitely. To the
1: actors I guess I don't know Uh I mean like Even shows like Futurama exist Even shows like Uh I don't know There was this This other Like space cartoon That came out Which name escapes me right now Uh
0: I want to say Farscape, but that's a different show altogether. No, no, it's no, on, on Netflix <laughs> right
1: now. It's, it's basically like, the, the, the lead character is this blonde guy who... Ah, sorry. Okay, you know I'm going to edit this whole thing out. <laughs> but like I said, it's like, when it comes to comedy set in space, it's like, okay, what are you going to do better than Avenue 5? What are you going to do better than fucking Futurama? What are you going to do better than fucking, like... If you want to say, I would say the best uniforms, farcical space comedy... Uh, and also, probably the, the best version of Star Trek right now is the Orville.
0: Oh, I just remembered uh, Final Space. That was the show you were referring uh, even
1: to. Even Final Space came out, and I was like, okay, is this funnier than Final Space? Final Space is terrible. I didn't like it at all. Uh, I didn't watch it, so I won't know. It's so. very forgettable. Uh, yeah, but like, I say, like, I was like, like, you know what I mean? Like, you see something like the Orville, and you see Space Force, it's like, yeah, you can do so much better than just this and I would say this like if you're looking for the dry witty kind of wry humour that was based off in the office it's there but it's not there in a context that makes sense anymore you know what I mean mm-hmm. because it's like if you want to have the whole grumpy at your boss but then now he's like a four star general it's like doesn't quite work you know what I mean because it's like okay are we? What? what is the, the intention of the show it's Like, what are we truly making fun of
0: just a one this. note tweet from your president and then that's it it and just not goes just, on from and
1: it. it's not just that because the thing is right. The jokes are not even directed at Space Force. The jokes are just basically, I can't stand you. I don't like the way you work, or you disagree with the way I do things, and hence drama, hence conflict, and hence comedy. Yeah. And it's like, especially like to me, the most e- irritating character is definitely Fuck Tony because he's <laughs> basically he's just an imbecile for the sake of being an imbecile. Yeah, he's just it, made just to annoy the group. Uh, he, he's just us. there to like you know basically be a spanner in the works, and most of the time, right, and here's the funny thing is like they could have solved the problem with that in the very first episode where he got fired already but mm-hmm. like, they him kept him the around basically and I say see that, like, that's the thing is like when you when you look at it it's like okay like this, this kind of character is too like uh bombastic to be put away for just this one note joke where like hey Steve Corral talking to this like you know social media style like PR guy and it's like okay I find you annoying go away okay come back and then he continues to fuck up and You keep him around, and I think also that's one of the problems I have with the show, is like when people fuck up, they're still kept around.
0: Yeah, they and need to be that one bit where like, why are you still here? You know that sort of thing.
1: Hmm. I mean, not and only go that, on from there. I mean, like also that would be a bit too on the nose, but it also kind of feels like to me like, if it's farcical, it's not being farcical enough. If it's maybe a pistic or maybe a deconstruction or it's a, an exploration on the. The, 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 the stupidness of bureaucracy, like fucking Avenue 5 does it way better.
0: Yeah, I think when it's a surface of... level uh, exploration of that topic where Avenue 5 is like a little deeper than that and, you know, better better laughs,
1: basically. I think, I mean, like, especially now, like, uh, Surface Level is like actually being very generous to it because it's like, again, uh, the premise of a lot of the jokes is not even based around Space Wars, it's based around the characters. Yeah.
0: You
1: know what I mean? Whereas, like, Avenue 5 is like, Okay, we built this uh, unnecessarily enormous ship that is definitely a take on, like, you know, uh, what Richard Branson's Virgin Space idea. Yes, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's like that show is also kind of topical because you have this obnoxious millionaire who doesn't know how any of this shit works, but he decides to put actors in charge of, like, you know, this top very pack, delicate and very a complicated piece of machinery that's supposedly going to and then, like, I love the fact that you know because of one fuck up because the engineer dies and they like oh by the way we're like two degrees off course oh so what does that mean we're gonna we, we'll be back home in 17 years you know and that's the, <laughs> that's the joke yeah you know? and then it actually
0: peels off those layers later on and it gets more and more fucky which I like you know yeah, more and, and more comedic uh, elements and I will
1: say this right because the thing is it's written over such a nice premise and the escalation is perfect because, because of the, the extension in, like, you know, the travel time. Okay, then you have the mutiny. Then you have uh, to reveal that the people in charge... Or, like, you know, you have your shortage of your food supply. You have all these things that you can play and exaggerate and examine. And yeah. basically how everybody just loses their shit. Because they maintain a specific premise... And I also love the fact that every time they try to solve a problem, it just backfires in the face <laughs> in the most spectacular way. Yeah. Because then, like you know what, we don't want to spell Avenue Five at all. But dude, once you see that shit orbit, the literal shit popping up in the episode, you're gonna say laugh. I not anything yeah. else beyond that because, like, that show hits so hard with the jokes and the, the, how ludicrous things is. And it's like, then you go to Space Force, and it's like, I think that's the thing. It's like we are. Pre-built with this expectation like okay Steve Carell okay you know office guys okay you're gonna do Space Force okay bring bring the jokes and it's basically I have a very distinct personality well I have a very distinct personality as well we disagree yes we do here's the situation (laughs) let's resolve this crisis oh I learned something about myself I learned something about myself maybe we can work together repeat every episode you know what I mean it's like okay so this was the main problem is there is not enough uh, I would say like they tried it with the monkey episode where it's like shit goes down let's see how these personalities figure things out and it goes worse and it's like they, they kind of dropped it the next episode it's like alright okay, you know, oh the Chinese are annoying yeah sure let's like yeah. talk about something else it's like then again, it's like I'm I'm not being hard on it. I'm just being honest and I'm like saying like Space Force... No, for no, it's fun. fine to be hard on it because
0: you expect the best from it such really, calibre anyway.
1: It really falls flat because the thing is, right, it doesn't even match my lowest expectations of what I wanted from this show.
0: I'm still kind of hopeful, but yeah, as it stands, this is basically forgettable fluff. You can just turn on and turn your brain off. I think the Don't expect is much, basically. <laughs> basically. And <laughs> this is like reason. the most generous review I'm ever going to give. To a show from the office guys. You've given a lot of generous reviews, sir. <laughs> I would say this, right?
1: Space Force is like, my rating, well, watch Avenue
0: 5. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Watch Avenue 5 out of 5. Watch Avenue <laughs> 5,
1: you know what I mean? If, if you want to, you know, if you want a comedy set in space, watch Avenue 5. There's barely any space in Space Force. Yeah. Bit of a misnomer here. You know what I mean? Eh, and like, I would say this, right? Uh, It is definitely... I mean, it's 5 hours of your life if you want to it's 10 episodes each one about half an hour if you want to spend 5 hours of your life if you're a fan of Steve Carell if you're a fan of The Office I would say this like maybe do it with the same kind of uh, I think it's like, best to do it without any expectations your expectations be... you might find a few chuckles I would say yeah. that but if you have any expectations you
0: will be disappointed but you are going to expect traditional TV sitcom stuff unfortunately
1: yeah, I will say this. Uh, it's very by-the-numbers sitcom stuff. Like, yeah, now, yeah. A, lot of the, a lot of the humor is derived from basically like character exploration rather than the situation of them trying to run a space force. And when things fuck up, it's like they kind of resolve it by the end of the episode and, and they tie it up in a nilly I yep. guess. Like Even the Edison Jones episode, uh, basically, I really wanted Steve Carell to let it rock and then they put skinny fuel in it and it doesn't work and that shit blows up. <laughs> that would be fucking and then spectacular. I would be like, actually, okay, okay, that and the thing is, right? I also knew that they won't, they don't have the balls to do that. They don't have the teeth to do that. It's like no, it's basically the Steve Carroll admits. Okay, spoilers for one episode. Sorry, but he admits to Edison Jones like, uh, oh, I I changed the ratio of the fuel. Uh, how much did because you change? Because I'm such a good guy. How, so uh, how much skinny fuel is in there? None. Let, let's all have a. Let's all agree that this is a, this is not gonna work out. And let's all save face by. I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna call you out you don't call me out we just walk away from this together and that's it that's the thing Like the, the, the conflicts always get resolved in such neutral kind of like it just like just subdues into a like it just flattens out it, there's no real dramatic tension that you know creates any sort of I would say catharsis for me it's like alright yeah they just wrap it up just in time before the episode ends so there you go yeah so, Not uh, much to add So Yeah, That's our <laughs>
0: recommendation For Space Force Watch uh, The HBO made uh, Avenue 5 Yeah,
1: Available on Amazon Prime I think right I or think it's it it on HBO, HBO It's go. HBO Oh it's yeah. on HBO Go Damn it Okay Or you know what There's always Futurama If you want co- The best comedy in-, <laughs> in space
0: Yeah Go check out our episode Of Futurama Way back was, in Space. How many years two. ago <laughs> Two years ago sir <laughs> Two years ago Right right How Time when, Flies when
1: when episodes were numbers were in the the double digits finally (laughs) yeah yeah. so yeah uh, I don't know you want to wrap this up sir? Uh,
0: yeah I think we can wrap it up Um, so next week or the next following weeks we're going to be talking more about the stuff we like for the half of 2020 definitely not the COVID-19 we don't love that uh, shit are we going
1: to skip over fucking Last of Us 2 being launched in a couple of weeks?
0: that's like a couple of weeks um I'm not sure what we can talk about next week, except for maybe Shantai or, or oh, the Shantai. RPGs? Uh, the 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 genie game, the one from uh, Way Forward. I think I uh, have you even played that? Uh, I gotta yeah. show this to you one of these days, dude. Um, I've been
1: playing Demons Fighting Hurts this whole time. It's got oh a magic...
0: wow! Are you? I
1: uh, so which characters you pick? I'm learning the, the cow, and I'm learning the dragon horse, uh, the one with the Tianpo or Tianso. I don't know <laughs> So Right, right. Cool. No, she's like fucking Magneto. Oh, okay. She can if you know how to do your uh, instant air dash and like she's got the most combo potential I feel. I don't know. Like uh, yeah. I feel like
0: going back to Skullgirls the more you bring up fighting games because I think I have a copy of that lying somewhere, like a digital copy in one of my emails or something from a Humble Bundle. Like,
1: I think as of our la- last few episodes we were talking about Evo online and netcode. Yeah did you realize that all the fighting games got patched this week (laughs) like Street Fighter (laughs) got patched Skullgirls got patched it's it's a nice nice wake up call in a sense like I'm looking at Steam right now like why are all these fighting games getting patched did somebody fix the netcode finally (laughs) yeah it's a nice wake up -up call it's gonna happen whoa man we need to make sure this shit works
0: (laughs) yeah yeah good for them good for them
1: you know you don't be weird like all of them now have GGPO it's like okay (laughs) why do we do this from the beginning (laughs) yeah we're just being complacent. Yeah. Oh man, I'm going to cut all of this out. This has nothing to do with Space Force. <laughs> I know. <laughs> okay, tell you what. Let's do a proper send-off for Space Force. Uh, Steve okay. Carell, we expected much more from you. Uh, We still think you're hilarious and you're you a darn good actor, but you can do better than this. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, but, you know, uh, no hard feelings. A Space Force, kind of a fart in the bath for me. Uh, My final rating, Avenue 5. Yes. <laughs> I do
0: hope that the second and the third season turns out alright, but as it stands, it's very forgettable stuff that... You might as well watch other stuff you know other movies other tv shows for the four or five hours but if you like steve Steve carell a lot yeah you could do worse i guess
1: if you love steve carell role you know man i heard the 40 year version is amazingly funny it's (laughs) (laughs) okay wow still funny (laughs) i don't know there's a little small
0: there's a little small role in anchorman both anchormans (laughs)
1: eh yeah, I'm okay with his role in Anchorman like I don't know maybe his other starring role with me like what's the funniest thing he's ever done oh yeah Foxcatcher yeah Foxcatcher Fox, Foxcatcher was hilarious <laughs> yeah. okay, alright with that we're gonna sign out this is me Mr. Tuffy out in space and this is uh, 7 star General <laughs> uh, uh, commander of uh, Singapore Space Force which we call uh, Space Law. <laughs> Where are you going? Space, space horse la <laughs> SPFL. You're